Well, good afternoon, everybody, and a very warm welcome from a very warm afternoon here in New York um, to this Lucis Trust New Moon Meditation Meeting, Strengthening the Hands of the New Group of World Servers. My name is Steve Nation, and what we'll be doing is we are going to focus on the theme, looking for the new in the world that is in process of being born. We'll start with a with a minute with an affirmation of love. I'll give a brief talk. Well, uh, I'll give a talk, um, followed by meditation, and then we have the series of questions. And so, hopefully, we can have a conversation, which I very much look forward to. But the real point of this meeting um, is the meditation work we were doing to strengthen the hands of the new group of world servers. So 50, 53 of us, 54, coming out to 55 right now. So let's come together in silence and sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group and throughout the world. So the last time we met for meditation was at the full moon when the energies of Leo were pouring into the heights and depths of the human. And today, as we work in the new moon under the impulse of Virgo, our focus is shifting to the new that is in process of being born. In Virgo, we're asked to view the world as it is now in our time, in the time and space of the present, as if it were a womb, as a, as a psychic and cultural space, providing all the nutrients that are needed to fuel a quietly growing reorientation of peoples and nations, cultures and civilizations, religions and ideologies. This new humanity is an embryo, but there is a sense that birth is in some way approaching, not far down the road, whatever that might mean, because our sense of timing, for those of us who are in the world of time and space, is never certain, never sure. And so it's important to envisage who we are becoming. For the reborn us, 
will not be some totally new, unrecognizable species. It will still be us, the human kingdom, the individuals, families, and nations that we know. But spiritual teachings and ancient mythologies tell us that it will be a newly oriented us, with Aquarius as the primary conditioning influence, so that the challenges, the problems, and the opportunities this newly oriented us will face will center around how we handle and manage our new sense of universality, wholeness, and fraternity. And of course, the way we do this will include making a lot of mistakes, moving through glamours, and gradually through time, acquiring some wisdom. Swirling forces, desires, ambitions, thoughts, insights, and competing visions of what is true and good make it difficult at any time to see the impulse of the plan as it is seeded takes root and prepares to externalize or work out into the world of human affairs. Yet as we train ourselves to see the seeds of the plan and expression in all the diversity, our sense of the future changes as we start to look for the seeds of the plan and expression. Possibilities in the near term and the longer term then become clear, sharp focused, and they transform our sense of purpose and direction, bringing the ethical will into sharper focus. The relationship between our individual lives and the times in which we live comes into focus and sets the scene for our lives. This is what the discipleship path is all about, and it's why the happenings of the time are so significant and relevant. During these new moon periods, as we work with the rhythm of the meditation formula, strengthening the hands of the new group of world servers, our challenge as much as anything is to refine and polish our skills in looking for and beginning to notice the new that is in process of emerging. Where do we see positive future possibilities? How do our lives intersect with these possibilities? How do we think about them? How do we try to educate ourselves to think creatively and realistically rather than idealistically or dogmatically about the possibilities we see all around us? For many of us, there might be a tendency to put on rosy colored glasses when we look towards the future seeing only what we would like to see, or imagining that the new will be so rarefied and pure that it sounds more like the fifth kingdom than the fourth. Such a rosy view loses sight of the needed tension between the light within us and the veils of illusion, glamour and maya that condition the incarnated world. And just as we need to avoid the rosy colored glasses when we're looking for the new, we also need to put aside the shaded glasses, those glasses that actually hide the light and only let us see the shadow, the negative and the dark that is always especially present during times of change. For these shaded glasses 
prevent us from seeing the seeds of light that are always to be found in every profession and every area of human affairs. We tend to see what we look for. So if we look only for the light, this is all we see. And also if we look only for the dark, that's all we see. The new moon is a time to train our eyes to see the health and vitality of the group of servers as they might be seen through the eyes of hierarchy. And one way of thinking about this is to acknowledge the hierarchy's appreciation of and respect for the humanity of the group. Recognizing that this group of servers are human servers and human incarnation. And it's also acknowledged to acknowledge the hierarchy's understanding of the immense significance of the new group's struggle to incarnate inclusive and synthetic vision into the incarnated astral and mental vehicles and well-established patterns of social and structural relationship. It's this understanding of hierarchy to my mind that is one of the characteristics of the Tibetan's letters to his discipleship group. Never asking of them more than what was the next step ahead for each member of the group and never asking more than what the individual were able to do. And finally, if we are to look at the group of world servers as we might imagine hierarchy sees the group now, it requires that we sense something of the mutable and fluid ways in which a sense of wholeness is finding such an infinite variety of expressions in the particulars of different human environments of thought and action. As we train ourselves to stand above the twin glamours of overstimulated optimism or pessimism, it becomes possible to adopt a more dispassionate and detached attitude, looking for and noticing the new that is not yet fully formed, waiting to be born and looking for the seeds of strength that are becoming rooted and grounded in that vast community of our fellow human beings genuinely concerned for the common good and whose concern awakens their own sense of purpose and their will to live a useful life. And so with Virgo in mind, it seems appropriate today to consider the birthing of a new sense of self and the impact that this might be having in the world. The story of consciousness surrounding the self is all embracing. And while it can be thought of as essentially a Leo Aquarius story, it has its echoes in all the signs and especially in the tension of the Virgo Pisces opposition. For Virgo Pisces suggests that we approach the theme of the self from the angle of a hidden transformation taking place in the depths of the psyche where the higher and more universal self is quietly establishing itself and putting down roots in ways that will often be hidden, unnoticed and even unconscious to the personality identity. 
What does all this mean in the worlds where we can trace and measure the passage to right human relations? Perhaps it suggests that we need to look less to the very fixed ideologies and the strongly held opinions that fuel the current partisan space and to look more to some of the hidden quiet spaces where a higher sense of self might be establishing itself. In the carefully protected, nurturing, dark womb of time and space, the beating heart of a more universal identity is surely growing in the human. All the subtle characteristics of this universal self are beginning to be fleshed out and to appear in innumerable ways, both in individuals and in collectives. And yet there they are behind the scenes, awaiting the moment of birth. And so it is in this spirit that we might look briefly at some of the findings of the World Values Survey. This is an annual survey measuring cultural values in different countries and regions of the world. The survey uses two primary dimensions each of which can be seen as a field of tension between two apparently opposing poles. So one of the measures is traditional values, which are, stand in tension with secular rational values. And traditional values are defined and described as those that place high regard for religion, deference for authority, and value traditional family values, while the secular rational pole places less emphasis on religion and traditional family values and authority and tends to value science and rational thought and tends to be on the side of materialism. The second field of tension, so that's one pole, and the second field of tension measured by the survey identifies the poles of what are called survival values and self-expression values. Survival values, as we would expect, emphasize economic and physical security, tend to have low levels and trust and tolerance of those who are perceived as different, while self-expression values give high priority to personal freedom, participation and decision-making, interest in and care for the environment and wide tolerance of differences. The, there are web references. Um, someone can possibly put these into the chat box and certainly they're in the notice um, that's sent out for, these, uh, for this meeting. Each year, the survey produces maps of countries and regions displayed in terms of these two points of tension, traditional secular survival self-expression. And it's really interesting to see these maps and also to see historically the changes. What interested me is that it's one way, it's rather crude because it's based on surveys and, and questionnaires, of looking at the changing dynamic and the sense of self. It's a vast generalization, but the evidence does suggest that in recent decades, the pole of what is here called in, in, in these terms as secular and self-expression is on the rise. 
and this the, the this pole generally reflects a rise in Aquarian values, with and without all the glamours that come with Aquarius, and a, and an accompanying decline in Piscean values, authority, separation. And of course, this isn't so helpful when we're trying to observe the transition into a higher spiral, because the polar opposites to measure might then be something quite different. So perhaps something like the sense of the sacred, the transversal and the mythic versus the strictly secular and materialistic values as one pole and the tension between these two areas of the sense of self. And another pole might be something like valuing survival and self-interest versus valuing the common good. Looking back at the values survey map, it's always interesting to consider societies that are largely classified as exemplifying traditional and survival values. The, um, the page in the survey that I looked at um, just gave examples of these just classic traditional survival value cultures as Zimbabwe, Morocco, Jordan, and Bangladesh. And so it's an interesting exercise to take these cultures, even those examples, and then to look into the presence of the new group and see the ways in which the cultures are evolving in line with the plan in these societies. And we will certainly find much to observe. Certainly Jordan, outstanding development of Aquarian values. Other, the other countries I know not so much about, but certainly Jordan has a strong history of um, playing a leading role in the world in many of the higher values. And yet all this taking place within a culture of primarily oriented traditional and survival values. And likewise, we could look to countries like um, in the World Survey um, suggests US, Ireland, and much of Latin America which are classed as primarily traditional on one pole and self-expression on the other pole. Or countries with high secular, rational and survival values, like in, in the survey identifies Russia, Ukraine, Bulgaria and Estonia. So just to bring this to a conclusion before we go into the meditation. Really, all I thought that what's interesting about these values is just to suggest that the way we look at the evolving sense of self in the world, <clears throat> excuse me, needs to be open to change, open to insight and fresh information and a willingness to see something that we hadn't seen before. So let's work with the meditation. And, and then after the meditation, we'll have a brief moment of pause to align ourselves. And then it would be interesting to have a conversation um, we have some questions to consider. 
So let's work now on the meditation. The purpose of our work is to strengthen the hands of the new group of world servants. And to do this, let us first become fused and one as a group. And as a group, sound or think together. I am one with my group brothers and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. As a group, as one group, we recognize our place within the heart center of the new group of world servers. And there we stand briefly. And now we mentally extend a line of lighted energy from this heart center of the group of world servants towards the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart center, to the Christ, the heart of love within the hierarchy, and towards Shambhala, that place where the will of God is known.
the higher interlude. Can you change the slide, please? Hold the mind focused on the planetary role of the group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity, responding to hierarchical impression and meditating the plan into existence. Meditation, reflect on the seed thought through the impression and 
expression of certain great ideas, humanity must be brought to the understanding of the fundamental ideals which will govern the new age. And this is the major task of the group of world servers.
precipitation. Visualize the precipitation of the will to good, essential love throughout the planet, from Shambhala through the planetary heart, the hierarchy, through the Christ, the group of world servers, all the men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, and finally, through the hearts and minds of the entire human family. The lower interlude. Consider the many ways in which the power of the one life and the love of the one soul are working out in the world through members of the group of world servers and in the process building the thought form of solution to world problems.
distribution. Together, we'll work together with the adapted version of the Great Invocation. Visualizing the irradiation of consciousness with these energies of light and love and power. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human mind. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, friends. Thank you. It's good to remember that while there are, there are about 70 of us doing, working together on this call, working with this meditation, through this period of the new moon around the world, there are so many more groups and individuals working with the same energetic flow of this meditation outline. 
And then every new moon, the sense of this rhythm, this rhythmic work um, that is real group work that we're involved with. So for those who would, would like to join a discussion, it will be really interesting to hear just general reflections on this idea of the self, how the self is changing, how we see these energies that are evoked, are invoked in the great invocation, the impact we see them having on human consciousness. And there's a couple of questions um, that you know, might be useful or not. Um, but it would be really interesting to hear from whoever wants to contribute, either through the chat or through raising your hand or if you're in the room in New York, then um, speaking into the microphone there. So are more people thinking today from the perspective of the universal self in terms of human unity and the oneness of life than in earlier decades, do you think? Or do you think this is just wishful thinking? What's happening? with this sense of people thinking from the perspective of the universal self. And then another question, do you see any evidence of a synthesis occurring among those who think globally and those who think more locally or regionally or nationally? And if so, what impact is this having on civilization and culture? So what do you think, folks? Thank you, Steve. That was um, very inspiring. Um, I think when I'm thinking about the questions that you've just posed, I guess I'm thinking of it from the perspective of someone who's been working with a strong sense of soul consciousness and working within groups, trying to birth the new civilization for decades. And so I'm working with and surrounded by other people who are doing the same and, you know, inevitably we have conversations about our work and about what we see emerging. But what I'm particularly focused on right now is what seems to be the needs of the new group of world servers in terms of their next step in evolution, what they're bringing in or what synthesizing within that group um, because when I talk with different people in the esoteric community, there seems to be a certain amount of tension, um, a cutting edge that's trying to emerge. And, but people can't articulate what it is they're looking for, what they need. But to me, that is indicative of uh, a birth that's trying to occur something from within is pressing outwards. 
and seeking um, expression. And so I began to think about that in terms of identification and the fact that, you know, for decades we've been identifying as souls. But what happens when a group begins to synthesize on a higher level and the identification becomes monadic? And the monad is seeking expression through the group. And that group has that tension, that cutting edge, that sense of something that needs to emerge. And so that's what's on my mind right now is, what does that look like in terms of meeting the needs of the new group of world servers themselves as a group so that this new synthetic expression of self, this new identity can emerge so that in turn, their work, our work in the world can reach a new level of expression, a new level of synthesis of identity. And obviously that just sort of flows out from there into every connection and every relationship that we have in the world. So those are just some thoughts I have right now. Beautiful, thank you, Maya. It's it's, um, it's interesting. It's it's very interesting because it'll be interesting to hear from others. Because my sense is that all of us will have a slightly different take on this, um, and a sense of something new emerging that we're not yet able to name. That's interesting. Someone else. Steve, there is a hand raised. Okay, lovely. Okay, uh, Barbara. Um, Barbara, would you like to um, unmute yourself, please? I, I think it's been done. Do you hear me? I do. Okay. Well, uh, th- this is all really wonderful. In terms of the first question, it makes me think of the Tibetans' um, admonition that a new terminology is needed. And if you think of the terminology that is more in, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> it's very dry here. We're in a severe drought. <laughs> if you think of um, the terminology that was in use decades ago, that things like interconnectedness and oneness of life and the universal self, they weren't in common usage so much as they are today. So I find that really interesting. And um, in terms of thinking globally, of course, so many more people now are thinking globally because of the climate change issue. And it's making people realize, I believe, that really we are one humanity and there's no way around that uh, because people are starting to feel alarmed with the events and things that they see in the future. But that's another issue. So I, I do think uh, it isn't wishful thinking. And I think the more we speak the, these words in normal company, whatever that means, the more the terminology will begin to shift in the general conversation. And thank you so much for your words. Uh, exa- th- thank you for your words, Barbara. <laughs> um, yes, ex- no, exactly. Uh, that's 
Um, it's that, that sense of human unity, that sense, to me, you hear it I, from neighbors, from everywhere I look. I hear it's much easier to have a conversation that relates something local to something global. And it's much easier now for people to see that there is really no difference. Um, some on on the, in the in the chat box, we have some comments in the chat box. Clint thinks that hey, the Steve, many. Uh, yep. Thank you for that talk. I really appreciated the uh, depth of what you said, and. I guess what I'm going to share is more related to um, not not so much specifically to the questions, but to the my sense of Virgo, you know, and um, Good. what Virgo means. And I think essentially it is related to this idea of the self. Um, as we know, Virgo is related to the Christ within mm. the heart the birth of the Christ within the cave of the heart. And so, you know, in your talk, you asked what, like, what is new, what's newly emerging mm. in our world. And I think we can understand this growing sense of people sensing themselves as part of a greater whole as reflective of the Christ or the divinity within being birthed. And I think that's essentially the task, as we know, of Virgo. Mm -hmm. And so I've come to the conclusion over many years that the Earth is ruled by Virgo. It's just a hypothesis, of course. But if we like look at that, if the Earth is ruled by the constellation Virgo, you know, we are a planet that our Dharma and our our task as a human kingdom is to birth the Christ. And so we know that in the Bailey teachings, we're always um, talking about the return of the Christ. And we know that it's also and Christ transcendent and Christ imminent. And so there is this concept of this flooding into human consciousness of this stimulation of the Christ and this release of the Christ spirit into the cave of humanity. And you asked about the great invocation. And I think that's essentially one of the primary tasks of the great invocation and of the new group of world servers and of triangles and the full and new moon approach is to bring about this bridging and this synthesis between humanity and hierarchy. And because our work and all the other groups that are so working to build these bridges, that we're having an impact, we're having an effect. And there's a, a collective birthing, which transcends all the outer divisions um, and unites us at the level of the Christ spirit that's being born. And so if our earth is really a vehicle for Virgo in energies, my sense is that what's going on here, what's going on in this little tiny as yet non-sacred planet is a real um, experiment as we're told. It's an experiment in the generation of souls, the birthing of souls. We're on a, a fast track. And uh, if 
things work out here during these crucial times in a way that the Christ spirit is born more rapidly in the heart of humanity, then we can serve as a, as a model, a role model for some of the other 105 planets that we're told are in our solar system, you know? So the earth has a, a really powerful task. And um, I think we're seeing it working out despite all the challenges. A birth is not an easy thing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, um, Kathy. That's really lovely. And I love the thought that, because if we think about the birth of the Christ within, as an echo of the Christ transcendent, the, um, which, which in a sense means the reappearance in its two dimensions, in the dimension of what's happening in the cell, in the, in the billion cells um, of human being, individual human beings. It gives us a way of our encounters with every other individual human being to sort of, to me, almost to operate on the sense of, okay, something's happening. There's a birthing taking place. Um, and it's taking place in every self I'm engaged with, or any of us are engaged with, just as it's taking place in the universal. And the very act of sort of working within that idea completely changes the way we work in relationship. It's incredibly powerful. And as you say, Kathy, it, um, it, is the, it is where the whole of the new group, those who are serving, particularly from any sort of esoteric tradition, we're really called to serve with guts. Um, and that means to lift our eyes and try and see where is this birthing happening in this person? Um, and, you know, is it, is it, is it in, is it a terribly, you know, like someone has a pregnancy that everyone's holding their breath because it's very difficult because there's a history of difficulty. So perhaps the mother has to be resting the whole time. Is it really a difficult birthing or is it something that's happening pretty naturally and, and um, not so much easily, but um, without needing for too much intervention. Interesting. Catherine, I see you have a hand raised. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Barbara. Everybody who's contributed to this amazing conversation and I, I speak from a, an extremely conservative rural state, Arkansas, and I would like to, to put into the conversation the bridging that needs to happen here between people who are still very much committed to the Piscean standards and ideals. And how how do we um, how do we hold that how do we communicate that bridging with such respect? And I'm I'm not talking about it. we have lots of people here who've been 
flying a Confederate flag for years, 20 years, oh, you know, that I'm aware of. So it's not new, but I'm talking about the young man who told me the story of his grandmother's passing and said almost in tears, for five generations, the men in the family have always dug our graves. And this time we had to have the funeral home do it. Those are, you can't just brush that aside. And um, so I think we have to find our way to communicate the new with such great respect and honor for what the old has meant to this group of people. It's interesting because it, because in a way that's what I was thinking of as I was doing the talk that it really is in a culture like that that is so apparently different from where you and I might stand and yet to somehow see how in that story, that's a wonderful story of that young man, that that in itself is a part of the transition happening in that community because that culture is not going to suddenly become something wildly different, but it is that culture is itself reorienting. And it may be hard for those who come from another culture to recognize it, but it will be there. It, it, the, the birthing will be taking place there and for that young man to maybe see that in spite of this human sort of hurt that that, that there weren't enough men to dig the grave, um, something about honoring the passage of that one who's died and the sacredness of that is actually, when you really think about it, not affected by this, what seems to be such an awful thing. It's somehow these conversations that aren't sort of challenging and head-on confrontations, but are just, I don't know. I, that's why I was interested in, cult, in, in countries, like it's interesting, this World Value Survey, that U.S., is a country both of traditional values on the traditional value spectrum, which is what you've just referred to, as well as a terrific impulse of um, sort of self-achievement, self-direction. Um, so it's a sort of free. It's a sort of freedom versus um, it's freedom versus authority. It, 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 it's that sort of tension and. Of course, neither in their extremes is where we really want to go, but but it's somewhere in the middle where the authority is the authority of the soul and the freedom is the freedom to, to submit <laughs> to the soul, um, which is so much deeper than any usual conversation that happens. Thank you, Catherine, for bringing that in. It just shows us that we need to always, I think that we need to always be looking, listening, trying to see where the new is in something that, that we can't see, but it, it must be happening. And it may be happening in ways we don't see. Christine Rowe, 
writes that experiencing with younger folks, meaning mid-40s and younger, a natural usage of the vocabulary for thinking from universality, oneness of life, impacts on all life on the planet, i.e., that's, that's, yeah, you, that's got it, I think, Christine, that's exactly, look at the language, and even these sort of sl- words that are used like rituals or slogans, it's easy to be cynical about them because they're abused and misused, a lot of these slogans, but still they're reflecting this just natural um, younger sense of the universal. Matthew writes that spiritual vision needs to communicate well with the capacities of everyday people, exactly. And every single one of us, Matthew, you and I, I mean, all of us, that's really what we're challenged to do, to find a way of framing with the individual we're with um, this thing that is happening, this birthing of the Christ, um, and to try and see it from a position of respect for the other. Lois uh, was enjoyed the bit about the rosy glasses versus the shadows. I've worked all my life with children and young families around the world whose experiences have been very traumatic. Poverty, hunger, homeless, violence, or violent neighborhoods thrown away. Thank you for sharing that. Lois writes, it's hard for me to see without the shadow glasses particularly when I hear what I feel is too much rose, especially in spiritual groups. It triggers something within me, and I feel I need to articulate more of the shadow. How can I help that? It's okay, but I would like to be more neutral. Wow. You, that, you, thank you so much. I think you've really expressed a question. There isn't an answer to that. Um, but I suspect that that's a question maybe unspoken, lies deeply in many of the hearts of the 50-odd of us who are on this call. Um, I too share this. I find the sort of over-rosy difficult to cope with. But I also think that it can be to bring the shadow can be a reaction to that. And so the opportunity is to try to reframe in terms of just being honest about how I think, or you think like for me, it's how can I be honest about how I think in this situation to this person or this in in this environment. And somehow that calls us to reframe something that is not speaking from the voice of depression, this massive depression, but speaking of a voice of, well, that's true. However, there are this evidence that areas of poverty, say poverty, is declining. Now, it's not declining year by year by year because obviously there are peaks and 
there are ups and downs, but overall, the numbers of people in poverty is declining and the percentage is declining. Another area that always interests me as a way of reframing a question is just look at the changes in the way people now understand and approach the relationship between men and women. And that's one of the most fundamental areas of what it is to be a human being is the relation between the sexes, you know, that polarity. And who would have thought that this terrific ferment of, of, of thought about what right relationship might mean between the sexes and the impact that's having, particularly on young people, but on all people. It's pretty, and to me, that's a that's a way of reframing. So it's 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 looking honestly. It's not looking, not wanting to look too rosy coloured, but not falling into the trap of just feeding despair. Because I think that's that's the biggest glamour now that we face is despair. And rosy coloured doesn't help it in any way whatsoever. It just intensifies it, because everyone can see this is something that's just sentiment, sentimental. Is a hand raised or what's it? Christine. Christine, would you like to unmute yourself? Yes, thank you. Thank you. I wanted to elaborate on my excitement at the vocabulary of what I was calling younger people. Um, it's, a, it's a Zoom group of professional consultants that work in the area of change which is very different. And they, they represent about four or five different continents. And the first thing that struck me, I'm a development consultant myself and I'm 73. And the first thing that struck me was everyone was in their late thirties and early forties. I was expecting more of a spread, but I also was very struck. Each one works in a different field in a different way, way everything from government to, you know, hum humanitarian efforts to biology. Um, and there, the, the main thing that brought the group together was the focus around the type of thinking that is behind working with change. And we, we meet monthly in order to support each other in whatever projects we're working on. But the key thing that struck me was that each one of them from different countries, different backgrounds, working in different fields, all shared uh, kind of a heartfelt soul infused perspective on what they were doing and so we could speak from that level while discussing very practical political or financial issues, um, which tells me that the level of consciousness that was underlying their being here must be more pervasive than I think. But I was also struck that it was this younger generation that was easy with older groups, by older, I mean 45 and older, board meetings, um, advisory councils, sometimes that unified thinking coming from the inner perspective has to be developed as opposed to being innate within the individuals involved. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that, Christine. That's wonderful. Don't you wish that everyone, say, on this call could have that experience you've had, that you're having? Because Why shouldn't me, we? <laughs> well, exactly. No, exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. I, but if only we could experience... Um, 
find groups, networks in our area of work and particularly in our, in our profession, because these younger voices, it's exactly what you're saying, Christine, and to me it is, it is the real evidence of the plan because it's not about, it's not so much the ideals or the politics or any of that. It is the consciousness and the expansion of the heart to have a sense of relationship to the whole that is real and not abstract. You know, it's mm -hmm. not an idea. It's, it, well, it, it's, it is an idea. It exists in the mind, but it also is a way of experiencing relationship mm -hmm. uh, that is universal. And that to me is the purest sign of the reappearance. It's the purest sign of the um, birth of the Christ in the heart. Uh, and it's the most positive sign of the fact that all is go all seems to be going relatively well, and all of these disturbances and difficulties need to be almost welcomed because um, they 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 will bring out greater focus. They'll push people to find um, new ways of 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 responding to the uh, to others, and of helping assisting the birthing. Um, the, the challenges are the curriculum. I find great hope in seeing the innate, um, the innate spirit coming through individuals from such diverse uh, yeah. backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Thank you, Christine. Thank I you. often often think, you know, of young a young person now. Look at all the professional. If you want to, whatever profession you want to go into, look at the opportunities probably almost more professional opportunities in any field you like, architecture, obviously environment, but um, any field of studies that are oriented towards service and oriented towards the sense of the universal um, than has ever existed in sort of professional training. Now, <laughs> any field you go in, it's going to reach into yourself and it's going to... Um, touch your conscience and your ethics and your will. It's a good time. Who else have we got? We're getting on in time, aren't we? Um, Santana, um, I've observed and been involved with many groups, esoteric and objective, working from this universal level, seeing the connection between all beings and the oneness of all life, working to solve humanity's problems on the physical plane and working on the inner planes to help seed the concepts of the new age. That's wonderful. Thank you, Santana. That's, that's the thing. You wish that as you say, you've observed and been involved with so many groups doing this work. And in a way, for those of us who may not have had this experience, it, if you look around, you will find where this is happening in your community. I really believe that. And listen and observe, and you'll find that this is taking place. Particularly if we don't, if you're not looking for something that is all esoteric or all talking about light and love. Santana writes again, Virgo is called the womb of time in which the seeds of great values are planted, shielded, nourished and revealed. 
It's the labor of Virgo that eventually brings forth into manifestation the Christ principle within the individual and within the race of men. Every idea, plan, individual or group that comes in contact with the energy of Virgo eventually develops universality and a deeply sacrificial nature. That's from Torquem, from Torquem Saradarian in his book, uh, Symphony of the Zodiac, a fine book on astrology. Matthew, the ultimate solution to, to bring in the plan is to take care of our planet and take care of everyone here. Yeah. And we, we all, I'm sure, share that thing. If only I could do that more honestly, more really, more simply. Wayne, thank you, Wayne. From an astrological perspective, in terms of sense emergence, Pluto is approaching entrance into Aquarius after 248 years. 2022 minus 248 takes us to the year 1774, two years before the Declaration of Independence in the US. Pluto, a non-sacred planet, is the will aspect in its more destructive aspects and its more personality orientation and actions, and thus powerful, it seems, in Leo. Sorry for the truncation. But as this will energy of the lower self emerges into Aquarius, a transformation or transformation on group levels may occur, and perhaps an opening for the constructive energies of Vulcan, a sacred planet, may be emerging to empower, if you will, the impressing energies of Aquarius. Thank you, Wayne. That's a very that's a very fine thought, and I especially like this idea of put yourself two years before the Declaration of Independence. So just work with a thought with a thought experiment two years before some quite dramatic um, positive transformation in some area of human affairs that we can't yet imagine. Two years, just imagine that we're in the period leading up to that. Violet, my impressions and observations related to question one is that of responsiveness to the need to consider the problems of humanity and the realization that these issues require global cooperation and responsibility. The example of the courageous people of Ukraine who are willing to sacrifice all for freedom. These souls are a great example for the entire world to witness. And we need to, so we're, yeah, we really are at 7.20, so we need to stop bringing this to an end. Um, Michelle, Pineda, honor is a value that's transcendent, similar to a transitional skill. That's interesting. The type of glasses can tie to the level of one's consciousness as well. <laughs> Tom, Tom with these recently two publications, even with supply chain problems, climate drought and floods, deglobalization, 33 to 41% of all food is grown is discarded. We want our apples to be spotless in our green beans a certain length. Also, one problem with growing corn in the U.S. is the lack of nitrogen fertilizer from Russia. So U.S. farmers are switching to growing wheat. 
and um, David approves of Tom's comment. These are, so the thing to do with these issues is to look at the points that are specifically addressing any one of these issues. So there's many um, groups actively working um, on these issues. And sure, it's a mass culture, so it's not going to change overnight. But on the other hand, um, for it to change, you need the, all these new initiatives, and they're, they're happening. Matthew, it seems obvious that there needs to be some important changes in how things now are. Some are excited, but others are fearful. And there's a note, a reminder to me about that the meeting's supposed to finish at seven, which is a good reminder, which I appreciate. Um, and a nice note from Charles. So thank you, friends. Upcoming meetings, Virgo full moon, we're well geared into that now. Friday, September the 9th, 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight, Zoom call, see you there. New Moon, Monday, September 26, 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight. Again, Zoom. I hope we'll see you there. Thank you, friends. Thank you very, very much. Have a good evening. Cheers. Bye.